This episode of the Warriors Huddle is brought to you by the Athletic Club Oakland, the official sports bar of the Warriors Huddle. The weather's getting warm, and I cannot think of a better way to spend an afternoon or evening than sitting outside with some homies, drinking a beer, and watching a game. Luckily, the Athletic Club Oakland has me covered. They shut down the entire street next to their normal space and created an enormous outdoor section called the Town Gardens. It's got TVs everywhere, comfortable seating, and their full food and bar service. In short, it's the perfect place to watch the game with friends while enjoying this beautiful summer in the Bay. It's now our go-to spot, and hopefully we'll see you there. In fact, Bram, Marcus, and I are there all the time. So if you show up and we see you in huddle gear, you've got a beer on us. The Athletic Club Oakland, where sports fans can be sports fans again. I just want to go win again. I want to win a fourth ring and not being able to compete again. I just feel like, I mean, for the last two years, I feel like I have a lot of pent up energy to go out there and prove not to anybody else, to, to myself, I'm still one of the best. We're going to bring y'all into our huddle. You are in the Wayne's Huddle with me, Bram, with me after far too long. My boy and producer, Marcus. What's up, Dub Nation? And our master, I'm all things Sam Maxine. How's it going? Boys, bonus episode of the podcast. So some obvious background. We already recorded this week. We had Monte pull in. Loved him. I thought he did a phenomenal job. Also thought we were completely done. No, it's Thanksgiving week. And then last week I got, or last week, last night I got a little pompous. I threw out a tweet and said that if we get a certain amount of likes on this tweet, I will promise that we'll record a podcast tomorrow. I thought we were going to get nothing. Actually, I was kind of worried about it. And then it was almost immediately hit. And so here we are with a bonus pod. Some uh, some revelations in association with this being like an emergency podcast. Since I didn't expect to be podcasting, I'm literally driving right now. I don't know if we have any members of like the CHP who listen or anything like that. I'm being super careful, Bluetooth. But <laughs> this might be a little bit more from, you know, the seat of our pants. And then the other obvious thing is that there's no guests. So, boys, how you feeling? You uh, excited for a three-man? Oh, yeah. Ready to go. Yeah, hell yeah. Do Let's you, do this. Do you guys prefer – give me an honest answer. Do you prefer the three-man booth or do you prefer when we have a, a guest and it's more of like an auxiliary role for you guys? I like both. I think uh, I like having a mixture of it. What I like about the three man is just we get to have fun and, and capture some of that magic, which has been established over the years. Um, this is kind of friends. Uh, but what the guests include and um, appreciate you getting those up for us weekly is um, a little more legitimacy and, and an inside look. You know, we, we're not the ones who get to travel with them and go inside the locker room and have these relationships with the players. So that extra insight from Monty and, and Connor and Medina and, you know, all everybody who's great, Bonte, everybody. Um, it's just helpful to have that inside look. And it, 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 I think helps set us apart a little bit from other podcasts. <laughs> I love the idea of you recording, you know, we've got a guest on your girl comes up to you. She asks, how's it going? And you hold up a sign that says no fun, no magic. You excited to this, uh, just the three of us? Yeah. I, I mean, I look forward to these, right? I think like we have um, uh, a lot more experience hanging out together, right? A lot. There's just this magic. Um, 
You know, I also, like, I love to pretend that I have access to the Warriors, you know, like, I will occasionally dream that I'm actually on the squad, um, you know, and I'm getting called in in the, in the middle of the third, so, you know, I can, I can definitely pretend in my own brain um, that, uh, you know, I can take on the role. I'll middle of the third, guys. too, that's when you get called in, okay. It's big time. That's it's big the, time. the most, don't you worry about that, he's magical, so he can play, you know, hoop in the middle of, like, a baseball game, it's fine. Um, I will admit to you, but so I, for obvious reasons, I love them both. Uh, for some reason, the last few guests, Tim Roy specific, and then Monty too, made me really nervous. Like, and we've had him a lot of times before, and the pods ended up going fine. But when we started it, like my heartbeat was at like 4,000 beats per minute. I don't know if that's a thing, but if it is, that's how fast it was going. And so it's good to just be back in more of a relaxed setting with that as our background. Let's jump in and let's go with the glass half full. If you're new to the podcast, it won't be too hard to figure out this segment. What we're doing is looking back at a recent stretch of Warriors Hoop and uh, firing off things we like and don't like. I guess I should go one more admission here. So we tend to avoid recording on game days because you never know what's going to happen in that game. And this might be immediately out of date. Well, since we're doing an emergency pod here, they're playing the 76ers tonight. I have no idea what's going to happen. This is not Bram from the future. So if we've missed something giant and obvious, I promise that we will cover it next time. With that in mind, MT, we haven't heard you for a while. And so take us, you know, bring us up to speed, man. What do you like or don't like about Warrior Soup recently? Uh, let's see. What I like is um, us just kind of hitting this groove and and obviously being one of the the top teams in the Western Conference without uh, Clay and Wiseman in there. Um, I, I'm a believer that they won't disrupt that apple cart too much when they get back. So, um, you know, it's it's exciting. It's it's fun to be a, a fan again when they're good. It was It's a little tougher when, you know, we were winning 15 games a season, but um, we were used to that for for a good solid two decades. So, um you know, it's it's fun again to to watch Warriors games and and to celebrate and to see the joy that um, the team plays with, and especially with Steph leading the way. Um, half full. What I'm not looking forward to, I think, is the um, the challenge of how do we capitalize on our strength in numbers. I think we've done such a good job of building a deep roster that it's it's easy to um keep everyone happy now because you know we're defying the odds a little bit we're beating expectations but as you start to get deeper into the season and then closer to playoff time and the rotation naturally has to shrink um it's going to be tough like they're going to be really solid players who helped us throughout the season get to where we are who aren't going to be able to play um and that's just the reality of a sh- uh, shortened you know playoff uh, rotation. So it's going to be interesting to see who plays and who doesn't. It'll probably be matchup dependent and that's, you know, a long ways away, but um, I think it's going to be really interesting, especially because we're already, you know, 11, 12 deep that we can play with. And then we're adding two more people who will fill that out. So um, it feels a little shady to say we're, we have 15 people on the roster and we're 14 deep. So I'm just going to say we're a 15 deep roster and how you play that in the playoffs is going to be very interesting. And it's going to be a, a challenge for, for Kerr and the team, I think. 
you can almost call that a good problem to have, you know? Um, I'll go with something I like. I like Clay Thompson fucking press conferences, dude. I don't know if you guys listened to the quotes that came out of the last time that Clay spoke, but he offered just banger after banger after banger. And one of them, he talks about how the Warriors are you know, no doubt title contenders, that they're top three uh, offensively, top three defensively, and that he's still coming. And then he pauses and asks everybody in the room to just think about that. Think about that, he says twice, and then doubles down with, I, I want a championship so bad. Clay, following up on that, you mentioned it was championship or bust. You know what it takes to win a title. With you coming back and with James coming back, do you feel like this team has the ingredients to win a title this year? Oh, yeah. 15-2. and two. That's a great indicator of – and our defense, I think, is top three in the league as well as our offense. And I'm not even out there yet. Think about that. Really think about that. I'm more motivated than ever as well. And um, I want a championship so bad, more than anything. After I listened to that, I wanted to put on, like, the Rocky theme music and run through, like, 50 walls before swimming across the ocean. You know, like, I, I don't know if I've been that excited. And it's because it's just genuine. He only picks topics that he gives a shit about. And when he, he pontificates on those topics, he has nothing but passion. That's been true for when he spoke about scaffolding, right? He, he doesn't come out and have passionate topics all the time. And what he was just passionate about is how good he is how good the fucking Warriors are, and how good they're going to be together, which is exactly why I love that press conference. I agree. When he doubled down and said, just think about that, and he repeated that, it was kind of just like, you were like, oh, shit, he really does believe this, and now I really do believe it. So it, it was it was cool. I, I like those those moments from Clay as well. What sucks is if, if I broke up right then, I was literally <laughs> just feeling like, oh, I nailed that. Like, it was an incredible take. If you guys didn't hear it, you just imagine it's one of the best podcast takes you've ever had. It's unfortunate that stupid 880 stole it from us, but it was gold. I'm telling you that right now. Maxime, go ahead, man. I cut you off. No, all good. I was just going to actually build on it, right? Because one thing that I love is, you know, who is Clay most likely to replace in this rotation? Jordan Poole, if I'm not mistaken. And Jordan Poole is out here you know, like retweeting what Clay is saying and saying, I cannot wait for you to come back. It's going to be scary, right? You know, being almost like in that press conference, being like, I am thinking about this and I cannot wait. It's just that camaraderie that the like, this idea that we're pushing for a championship, I think is bred in every single person, whether they're in their third year or their 10th. It's all right, boys. Let's move to our next section here, the five golden questions. And I'll be transparent with you here too. I'm a little nervous. So this section, it's a mailbag. We get all of our questions from the listeners. They're normally about the Warriors. They're occasionally about us. And the reason I'm nervous is that I am the person who calls these questions. I go through the various emails we get, the tweets we get, and then pick them out. Well, I couldn't do that today. You know, we didn't know we were going to record. So instead, we are all, I am with you at the mercy of Marcus and Maxime who have pulled these together for us. So I'll turn over the mic. Boys, what do we got this week? All right, here we go. I mean, we got Thanksgiving coming up tomorrow, right? So there's a lot of questions that came in sort of framing the conversation around Thanksgiving. Um, you know, I think a lot of the Warriors got together for a Friendsgiving last night, um, and there was definitely a lot of chatter about that. So with that said, we're going to take a, uh, a little spin on the five golden questions and frame them in terms of 
Thanksgiving. And I don't mean like what we're thankful for, you know, what every podcast does every year, but rather like, because I was nervous about that. I would not have liked that at all, man. That would have been very good. (laughs) Oh, uh, I was about to say, that's exactly what we're doing. Um, (laughs) No, uh, that would be uh, awkward. (laughs) Hooray. Then I do love it. Uh, But no, what we're going to do is we're going to think about, we're going to break down some of these questions based on uh, the elements of a Thanksgiving meal. So you'll see what I'm saying, because we're going to start right off the bat with the turkey, right? Because that's the thing that everybody expects people to talk about. It's the main dish. It's the centerpiece. And quite frankly, there's nothing more important than the news about Clay back fully in practice. So the question from the the listener is, uh, quote, would you take the over or the under on Christmas for his first game back? And so to give you some context, right, the home games, we know he's going to be coming back on a home game. So the home games around there, we got SAC on the 20th, Memphis on the 23rd. So those are before Christmas. And then afterwards, Denver on the 28th, the Heat on the 3rd, and then Cleveland on the 9th. I like this setup a lot. I'm also going to say something controversial, and I know that I'm already on thin ice when it comes to food takes because I told everybody I don't hate candy corn. I don't really like turkey. Like, I'm glad it's there. You know, like if I showed up to a Thanksgiving meal and it wasn't there, I'd be kind of pissy. But when I actually have it on my plate, it's dry as shit and not that good. I'm just going to throw that out there. As far as the question, when's Clay coming back? My guess is before Christmas. Um, The Warriors have been really – so none of this is on any inside information. Uh, But just from uh, observing from afar, the Warriors have been really careful with the information that they've put out into the public about Clay. And recently, we have seen a ton more from him. We've seen way more footage of him in practice. We've gotten way more updates from Kerr. They just told us recently he's been looking good in five-on-five settings, that really what he needed to do is get his wind back, is what Kerr said. The jumper was falling in the beginning of these scrimmages, but then because of his fatigue, was starting to fall apart towards the end. Um, We're seeing him giving press conferences. And I don't think that this is unrelated. I think the Warriors know he's close. I think they're giving us a little bit of a, you know, an appetizer of clay. So that all screams to me that we're going to see him before Christmas. I like it. I agree. I, I think um, I do like turkey. So I, I disagree with that. If you do have the right cranberry sauce, I think you just, dry. you just don't know how to cook it, but um, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm going to go. Turkey is delicious. You settle down. <laughs> I'm going to go with the under as well. I think he comes back um, for the sack game. Uh, on the 20th. Uh, Traditionally, the Warriors have been very conservative about um, player injuries, especially with the superstars. So that gives me a little pause and makes me at first lean towards the over and post Christmas. But I think Clay is ready and it's been such a long time. Um, And if he's already ramping up to the level of practicing that he is, I just think a month out from now, he's going to be ready to go. Um, and we just, we handle that a little differently. We don't handle it like Zion's being handled in, in new Orleans, but, um, we've traditionally just been very guarded and, you know, like, uh, mysterious about it. We, we say, Oh, you know, we'll reevaluate him in two weeks. You know, he, he sprained his left eyebrow, you know, he's out for a month. So, um, I think the, the, the under, and I think it's before the Memphis game, Memphis is a little bit of a trickier opponent so i think he gets his legs under him against sack who isn't playing as well that's i mean that's extremely compelling in the context of just what the matchups look like uh i will say as a member of the squad that gets put in midway through the third i know for certain <laughs> that he's actually going to be coming back after christmas but we don't need to get into the details i'm not nice. supposed to leak that information 
<laughs> yeah, that, that's fantastic. It's really weird that we've waited. I don't, I don't even know how long we've been doing this podcast. Um, I'd like, like two years or however long we've been doing it. That this is when you finally admit to me that you're a member of the team. It's <laughs> like you should have been doing like all the off the court reports, all of this stuff. Also. I mean, I know it's been 30, 40 seconds. I just want to double down. Marcus, you can fuck yourself. My turkey is amazing. People have gone out of their way to be like, you make the greatest turkey. And I'm like, oh, you know, I don't even really like turkey, but still I make it. So, I mean, I, it's important that that gets out there, at least for the record. You're, you're probably amazing at making dry turkey. I'll give you that. You motherfucker. How could this not be the part that 880 stole? You know, I'm not, giving, I'm not here giving fucking dynamite clay takes. And meanwhile, Marcus's filthy lies make it onto the air. Well, uh, I'll, what's I'll, our next question, Ben? Uh, yeah, so I mean, here's the thing, right? What makes turkey so valuable in the meal? I agree with you. It's dry. It's kind of tasteless, right? It's the gravy, right? So the gravy is the thing that like nobody compliments the chef on, but it's secretly the most important part of Thanksgiving. It's what you put on the mashed potatoes. You know, you can put it on everything. It makes everything taste good. It even makes this dry ass turkey taste good. So. With that said, here's a question from the listener. Quote, I read that the Warriors have the best defensive rating since the 2016 Spurs. My problem is that I always watch the ball and I feel like I don't really understand how to appreciate this historic defense. So can you teach me how to watch defensive basketball? And in other words, how do I appreciate the unsung hero, the gravy? I've got a suggestion on this um, because I follow this listener's problem. Uh, I can tend to get sucked into just watching the ball go through the net. And that actually, more than any other team with the Warriors, it probably costs you 40-50% of the entertainment. So baby steps into how to watch the defense, here's an easy one. Just watch Draymond Green. You know, regardless of where the ball goes, watch what he is doing. Watch as he switches. Watch as his ability to guard both the post and the perimeter. Watch as he quarterbacks everyone around him. There was a scene in the Brooklyn game um, that I meant to bring up a little while ago where Jordan Poole went coast to coast, had this great finish at the rim, celebrated, rightfully so, mm. came down to the other side of the court and then gave up a foul. It was a, it was a poor defensive play. It was something stupid. And Draymond came over, and he didn't, you know, didn't slap him on the ass for a hell of a play on the other side. He, he fucking chewed his, his face off. He was angry because of the defensive miss. And because for Draymond, I would imagine – if they're going to be the team that you want them to be, there are no plays off on defense. He doesn't give a shit whether or not you are fancy on the other side. You better bring it on the defensive end. So to bring this back, right, the gravy, spend the night watching him and you'll get a crash course in what makes the Warriors good on that end. Uh, you know, and I lied to you guys. I actually, I did a little bit of research. I did pull one question from the crowd. Mine asks, how does Bram make such incredible turkey? You guys would know that. You know, and we've already spent too much time on it, so I'm not going to answer it. But I do have that question. I don't want you to think that, like, I didn't do any preparation. Well, thank you for your daughter for sending in questions. On your <laughs> she can't type. Look, I wrote this question. That's a ridiculous <laughs> suggestion. <laughs> yeah, um, that's a good question. I, I, I agree. It's tough to, if you haven't played the sport at uh, a higher level um, and, you know, it's tough to know what to look for. I think watching Draymond Green is a great starting point and a great suggestion. Um, after that, I would call out two things. One is the amount of talking that happens. Um, great. Draymond Green is obviously a talker. Everybody knows he's famous for being a loud mouth on the court. But what that helps on the defensive end is it tells everybody what's going on, where to go, where, when a screen is coming, where you have to rotate. 
and that can be contagious and should be contagious. So if you see other people talking, if you see Jordan Poole calling out screens and telling people to switch and using their hands, I think that's a good indication that everybody's what they call on a string together, um, which leads to the other part. I think um, there are certain possessions that everybody can recognize when they say, oh, the defense, the team was just flying around helping out. Um, that happens more often than those um, really cool plays where you can just tell every, the ball's whipping around and everybody on defense is still guarding somebody. I think watching how people who are not guarding the ball help out is another cool thing to kind of show how strong a defensive team is. It's when JTA or, or Damian Lee rotates down and covers a big man. Um, they notice that Steph has switched on to somebody that is bigger than him, and they'll quickly try to figure out how to get him off into the corner man. Um, those little things, I think, just not watching the ball and watching how those five players on the court at that same time are all of one mind of how do we do this? You know, it's almost like a zone when they're playing a man. So um, I think just watching how many people talk and what the level of talking is and how much they help each other and will sag off and on their the man that they're guarding is a, another good indication of when a team is really together defensively. And two quick follow-ups on that. One, the talking thing, just like a random memory for me. ESPN used to have a reality show when Bob Knight was still coaching. And they had a bunch of walk-ons and they're following, you know, which one of these walk-ons would make it. And I remember there's a scene in the gym where Bobby Knight has, you know, 15, 16 scrubs in front of him. And he goes, okay, everybody right now grow three inches. And, you know, for very obvious reasons, nobody grew an inch. And that's not a possible thing. They weren't X-Men, you know, they didn't have that mutant power and everybody looks at each other and, you know, they, they exchange confused looks and he goes, okay, can't do that. Now, everybody talk. And then for, you know, again, for obvious reasons, they can talk. They're human beings. They have mouths. And he said, some things that would make you better defensively are impossible. Others are easy. And that always stuck with me. You know, not all teams take advantage of that very easy thing you can do. And then as far as switching, we have been talking about how this roster makes sense. We, we give all of these compliments to the, the roster construction from Bob Myers. Well, it fits in perfectly what we're talking about. Let me use Brooklyn again. Brooklyn wanted to switch when they were playing us. But what happens when you switch Blake Griffin onto Steph? You know, what happens when you have the corpse of LaMarcus Aldridge trying to guard out of the perimeter? It doesn't fucking work. You know, it's, it's an ill-fated design. For the Warriors, watch what happens when they switch. These guys are interchangeable. This roster makes sense. So that's one of the things you can notice. What's this for you, Maxine? Do you, are you, do you intuitively watch what happens off ball? Or does this question actually come from you? Oh, no, please. Come on. I, uh, it's, it actually, it totally resonates with me, but this is a listener's question. I mean, I think the deal here is that, um, you know, I've, I've learned exactly what you were suggesting to just watch Draymond on defense. That does a lot, but quite frankly, I get so wrapped up in it. I tend to be uh, a couple of beers deep, um, by the time the Warriors are humming. Right. So it's not really the best opportunity for me to do anything other than be entertained. And so I've actually, I've learned this one from my mom. Uh, who in the past couple of years always watches the rerun of the game the next day. And that's where she actually starts to talk to me. She's like, yeah, I get too excited. I get too worried about the score and I'm just watching the ball move. But then the next day, you know, you get to see the breakdown and you get to slow down. You already know what's going to happen. And so you can just sort of take it in. And that's been huge for me because I've learned a lot as I slow down and I don't have to watch the ball because I already know what's going to happen. 
it's like watching a movie twice, right? Or, or a, mo- a television series you've already seen. Once you're no longer distracted by the plot line, you can see all the things that are going on behind the scenes. That makes perfect sense. Yeah, and I mean, it's also like once you're not distracted by how bad the turkey is, you can come to appreciate uh, all of the other Must aspects. Must not have been in my spot. Must not have been in my spot. Again, <laughs> I just don't like turkey. Like, you know, like when people don't like candy corn, they're not like, oh, they mismade this candy corn. They're just like, I don't like the candy corn. I make incredible turkey. I'm just telling you, I don't like the meat itself. Listen, I, I got an admission here. This is the first time in my life we're having uh, both of our families over, my wife and I, tomorrow. We're not doing a turkey. It's the first year ever. We're actually doing a whole salmon. We're like, you know, fuck it. It's just going to be tastier. I don't want to deal with this. Well, apparently I would be both disappointed and elated, uh, you know, which is not a shock to anyone who's listened because I'm all, look, man, I need therapy. This is only one of a million things. I could need some help with. Shoot us off to our next question. All right. So we're moving on to some of the sides here, right? And first one up is the potato dish. And this is the dish that everybody everybody brings, right? Because it's pretty easy to make potatoes. You can mash them up. Sometimes you get sweet potatoes. I remember a friend once brought to Friendsgiving sweet potatoes with like pecans and marshmallows. It's like an easy thing to go crazy with and you feel like you're adding value, but it's like everybody brings it, right? So, you know, basically he said, this is the frame for the question. Um, here, which is that I just saw Draymond's Instagram post hosting everyone from the Warriors at uh, Aisha's restaurant, and there was definitely tequila there, right? So the question is, what member of the Warriors organization do we think is the most likely to get a little too turnt and cause a scene at the restaurant? Not named Draymond, or does Draymond get included? (laughs) Well, Draymond's hosting, right? So maybe in a normal circumstance, he might get too turnt. But if you're going to be the host of the party, you know, his partner is there. He's trying to put on a good show. I, I, you know, I feel like Draymond's moving into the vet category. So I think, you know, this, this changes depending on when it happens. If if it happens right now, you know, this week, my answer is Jordan Poole. I think he's feeling himself. I think he wanted this to be a breakout season. It's becoming the breakout season he wanted. They're having the type of success where everybody's paying attention and he's one of the reasons that the Warriors are considered this good. He's a bullet point on ESPN now. And that's new enough where if he's out you know, in, a, in a big scene, he's with friends, he's with his team, he's feeling important. Those ingredients can lead to maybe one more, you know, maybe one more. And then that's when perhaps he could have uh, one drink too many. So that's my guess. Nice. I'm going to go with Namaja. And I think it's because it needs to be a vet. I think Jordan Poole still is a little too young to pull that. He needs to still, you know, keep keep it in order and keep it in check. But Namanja and Otto Porter both are at that vet level where they're like, okay, we signed for the minimum. We're here. We're helping out. We average little over 10 minutes a game when we play, we knock down threes and we help close, you know, bring the the victory in. So they're going to have a little more leeway and a little longer leash to, to have fun. And I think it's just going to be one of those weird situations. Just like when we found out Clay's closest friend on the team um, was Zaza, you know, like, yeah, exactly. (laughs) It's Maxine. Um, They're quarter buddies, but um I think it's just going to be one of those weird situations where it's somebody you don't expect, but it needs to be a vet because they, they have the longer okay. leash with the cur. I'm changing my answer. I am changing my answer. You know who the fuck it's going to be? Kent Bazemore. That fool's <laughs> going to show up and be like, I took less money to go get my ass handed to me in LA. Like I could have been here. You know, I could have been having the time of my life. He looks over and sees Damian Lee getting all these props. Auto Porter Jr. sitting wide open threes. 
And what I hope, this wouldn't happen, they're much better people than me, but what I hope is he shows up, Draymond checks the list, he's like, ooh, I do not see your name on this motherfucker. Mm. Like, you can stay <laughs> right out of here. Yeah. Oh my God. I think LeBron's not party is right down the street. How about you go over there and not have any fun? Lakers fans hate Baysmore too. Uh, I know. I love it. I look it up occasionally. Like the I literally all on Twitter is, is crazy. It's all like passive aggressive. Like, oh, I wish I could be like Baysmore and get cardio amongst millionaires. You know. And then like, I I want to be the kind of person who like defends Baysmore. You know what I mean? Like he he brought us happiness here. I mean, he had a championship here. And instead, I'm like, yeah. Eat that, Bazemore. Like, I hope that you're reading this and getting ready to drink too much at a Warriors Thanksgiving party that you're not invited to. <laughs> you and Avery Bradley probably showing up together. That's exactly right. Although Bradley can come in. You know what I mean? He wanted to be at the party. We told yeah. him you're not invited. Bazemore, we begged. We begged him to come. And he was like, hell no. I'm going to LeBron's house. Well, F you, Bazemore. It didn't work out. I don't. Uh, what do you got, Maxine? I, guy? It's, I mean, I, is there any other answer than Baysmore? It's just it's so obvious now that you put it that way that I don't feel like I need to even say anything more. Um, Moving on. <laughs> so with that said, right, uh, we'll, we'll move on to the next dish, which is the green beans. Right, everybody knows that you got to have some green beans on your plate, um, but because you know you need the health, you need the like the literal green color, but like. You know, it's just kind of the healthy thing to do. You just put it in your mouth. Occasionally, you put some garlic sucks. on there. It's all right. It just kind of sucks. Yeah, thank you. I was a little scared to say it, but I, I appreciate the support there. So, well, you think there's like a, a giant pro green bean crowd out there? I think you can safely be like, nobody really likes the green beans and no one's going to get upset. Right. Yeah. But but then, you know, for some reason, every year we decide we got to have it. And I, I guess it's because people want to be healthy when they're eating all that turkey. So here we go. Right? Who's going to be the green bean guy? Yeah, I'm excited for this. Yeah. Yeah. So this question <laughs> comes from a listener and like the green bean guy is spot on, Bram. Did you read these questions already? Because here it is. Oh, but this is basically the fuck this guy question. Who is it? Let's hear it. <laughs> so so the question is, uh, quote, my sister is bringing her boyfriend home for Thanksgiving. I've met him a couple of times and he is somehow both incredibly boring and a constant talker so my question is this we know bram's techniques for dealing with weirdos at a party but how do i deal with this guy when i have to sit across the table from him for two to three hours and pretend he's family i'll let you guys handle this one first i think we do know how i would it but i i will i promise i will be transparent and honest but let's hear from uh actually let's make this judgment theater boys so maxime uh this happens it's marcus who's at the other end of the table this boring gentleman is rattling on left and right. What do you think he does? What's your what's your guess? Ooh, yeah, I feel like uh, you know, Marcus is the type of person like he makes everybody feel comfortable, you know, regardless of sort of where they're coming from or how much he might feel like um, he doesn't like them, right? So I feel like he's gonna sort of like interject right little comments that sort of makes this guy feel comfortable right because if he's talking a lot he's probably uncomfortable um but then at the same time like there's sort of like snide looks when he's not looking towards like the people that he's actually family with um so that's you know it's like walking the line in a way marcus is secretly comfortable with silence i've seen that play out he is also you know socially capable so in this setting i see mt early on you know, we're talking like the first 10 minutes, 15 minutes, you're sitting down. He engages. Uh, you know, what do you do? I've heard good things from my sister. Maybe a couple fake laughs. And then after that, and this dude is droning on, MT is silent, and we're on our own on that motherfucking table. Like, it's just, he lets him go. He's like, this is, you know, like, look, sis, you decided to bring him. This is your dilemma. I am not throwing myself on this grenade. 
That's my guess. MT, what's the real answer, dude? This this unfolds. How do you play it? Bram, you are my longest running friend, and I, I feel seen by your answer. It is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly how I'd handle it with with one caveat towards the end. I would definitely, in the beginning, try to smooth it out and make sure this new boyfriend feels at home. And if he just keeps droning on and I can't save the day for him, uh, I would go silent. But instead of just being passive aggressively silent at that table, I would move to the kids table and (laughs) go hang out there. (laughs) That's incredible. And what I love about it, what I love is that like early on, you'd be so good with the smooth out. I mean, we're talking like unexpected hug, phenomenal follow-ups, like so good that this guy would venture into his boring topics thinking he had an ally. And then he would look up, and not only would he not have somebody nodding, there would be an empty seat, and you'd be over there making mashed potato castles with little Johnny. You know? Exactly. Like, it would just be, just be empty, like nothing. And that guy would be drowning in his own boredom. It would be what it is. <laughs> All right, uh, let's do Maxime. You threw off a guess first, MT. What do you think? Same scenario... This guy comes through. How does Maxime handle it? I think Maxime also does his best effort to make him feel comfortable and tries to have good follow-up questions and make sure his sister doesn't feel like she's brought a, a weirdo and outcast to the to the situation. Yep. But I think he also has a breaking point. And at that point, he just calls, brings up his tree climbing card and is just out. He's just like, I can't deal with this anymore. Everybody else, we're going to take turns and trying to make this guy feel comfortable here. And he just checks out for the rest of the dinner. Uh, I agree, but with a caveat. So I think he does enter this with a sense of social obligation, but it's not to Mr. Boring. It's to his sister. You know, so like early on, he bats it around. He, he does play along with this guy. But at some point, he makes eye contact with his sister, you know, like raises his eyebrows does something to try to pacify her without, you know, continuing to play conversational ping pong with Mr. Boring. Uh, so he's not all the way in. He's like 50% tap dancing, but pulls out the second he feels like his sister has let him off the hook. Spot on. I'm, I'm a real family person. I'm I care fire. a lot about go. my proverbial <laughs> sister. Um, uh, so yeah, in that situation, but here's the thing is like, I, I like, I'm a person that actually really likes my quiet. Um, and if somebody is invading my brain space with a lot of words, I quickly fatigue, you know, and I can't, I can't have that. So I think at a certain point, the kids table is such a smart move. I recommend everybody hit the kids table. Oh my goodness. And maybe I would like start trying to shovel a bunch of green bins onto his plate, right. To like get him to eat (laughs) a lot. And also like, there's the implication, like, bro, like you're, you're the green beans of this dinner. Exactly. I love the idea of before you go to the kids table, standing up putting all your green beans on his plate and being like, look, I don't even like these green beans. Dude. Like, I don't even want to talk to you. I don't want these green beans. I'm going to go build a castle with Marcus. I'm, I'm getting out of here. All right, boys, that leaves me. Maxime, use that judgmental eye. Aim it at eye. Yeah, aim it at me. What do you think, man? What what uh, what happens in that setting? Man, so I, I you're you, you're going to be tap dancing and you're going to be tap dancing hard and you're going to like put yourself to the side, right? And and there's going to be like buckets of sweat and I feel like afterwards you're going to have to take like three days off because like the mental anguish that you actually went through um, to try to tap dance for this guy was not like what he deserved or what you needed. Um, and it's just going to absolutely ruin the rest of your week. <laughs> Marcus, what do you think? <laughs> the whole week. Um, 
Yeah, I think it it devolves into a bad situation for you pretty quickly. I think you start off strong with good intentions, but with each answer, you realize that you're trying to make conversation with him and you don't want to hear what he has to say. And you realize you're egging it on. So you just symbolically are just going to feed him a whole plate full of your turkey and take away his glass of water. So he just really has not a lot of options to keep talking. Well, that makes sense. He'd be incredibly hydrated if I gave him my turkey. So the last thing you would need is a glass of water. Uh, not so shockingly, you boys are spot on. It would be like an out-of-body experience how badly I would be trying to please everybody at that table. I would just be like nonstop talking. And this is not a guess. So it wasn't a Thanksgiving table and it wasn't Captain Boring and family. But we did a uh, destination wedding with a group of friends in Costa Rica. And after the ceremony, we traveled together. And so periodically, we'd be on like these vans with 15 people all together. And really, all anybody wanted to do is sleep. You know, like nobody wants to talk in that setting. But on the off chance people wanted to be entertained, I spent all three hours just talking nonstop. <laughs> and like And total bullshit. You know, like, who likes the color blue? I like the color blue. What do you think the color blue tastes like? How about it smells like? Let's talk about that. Like. It was out of control, and it would be something very similar in this setting. Unfortunately, unlike Marcus, I don't feel seen. I feel judged. Fuck yes. <laughs> well, Bram, what, what that says to me is that you might actually be the green bean guy if you're out there just mouthing off for three hours, man. You My God, look at this turned on me. I bear my soul to you, Maxine, and that's your answer, dude? I mean, unbelievable. Unbelievable. I, I, I have nothing to say now. I just dislike you and dislike Turkey. <laughs> well, then let's let's turn it around. Let's get back to uh, to some Warriors conversation for the last question here. Maybe the most important thing. We're talking pies, right? We're talking dessert. It's the, it's the thing that's at the end of the meal, right? It's the tastiest part. It's the celebration, right? And so what? Let's let's go through it. What main season awards do the Warriors have a legit contender in? And there's quite a lot of categories, so um, I think I think we can think through this in, in pretty big detail here. MVP with Steph, Depoy with Draymond. Depending on what happens with Clay when he returns, Sixth Man of the Year or Most Improved Player for Jordan Poole. Those are all on the table. Those are all expected. I'm going to add one, and I don't think it's going to get a whole lot of traction, but it deserves it. Steve fucking Kerr for Coach of the Year. Um, And I think he deserves this consideration, not just because what they're doing right now, which in itself, you know, and that's the only question should put him at the top of that list. But we've mentioned this before. Everybody wanted him to veer from his system over the last couple of years. They wanted to go just pick and roll. They wanted to go just post heavy. They wanted him to change his system to accommodate the roster. Well, if he had done that, you know who would not be anywhere near as competent right now? Jordan Poole. Juan Toscano Anderson, all of the uh, sidelight players who are contributing seamlessly because they were familiar with a system they've been running for two years and now are ready to weaponize it. So that's the guy I will add to this list. Those are the awards, I think, that are on the table. I'll add one other one. I mean, it's not what you're asking me, but we might as well say it. Championship. That's the other you know award I think that uh, all of us should be thinking and hoping for. Nice. Yeah. Solid answers. I, I'm, I'm in agreement with most of those. <clears throat> and Steph for MVP, obviously he's in the mix. Um, completely agree that Jordan Poole, depending on how Clay comes back and what the game number of games that he starts, will either dictate if he's in contention for six man or most improved. 
I think it'll be most improved. Um, obviously, Draymond for uh, Defensive Player of the Year, he said himself that he it's something he really wants to win again, and he's leading a defense that's the number one rated defense. So, um, And then Steve Kerr for Coach of the Year, I think he's obviously going to be up there. I'll add two other ones, um, one that we do have a shot at and one we don't. Uh, one scoring champion, I think Steph will be in the mix again mm-hmm. and potentially um, be a back-to-back winner of that. Um, and then one that we don't have a, a horse in the race, unfortunately, is rookie of the year. Um, I think there are some, you know, some great picks ahead of, of Kaminga and Moody. Moody. Um, and Kaminga just won't get enough run to, to actually have a, a good shot at it. So we don't have a horse in that race. But, um, you know, uh, could he make a, a all rookie team? Probably if he if he gets enough minutes, um, I could see him doing that. And Steve Kerr showing a lot of faith in him as a rookie. Normally, rookies don't play. And, you know, he's played 19 minutes the other night. So um, there's a good chance that he could get enough minutes to be in contention for an, an all rookie team spot. Look, I, I so I, I totally agree. And I just want to make a comment about the rookie of the year thing, because, you know, I, I, Evan Mobley looks fantastic. You know, I think um, there's all there's all the reason in the world for him or Cade Cunningham to run away with this this award. But I do think that it's you know this is not what the award is for but Kaminga deserves a lot of recognition here because those guys are on just garbage teams so of course they're going to get a lot of run of course they're going to look great and i mean that's the whole point of the lottery system of giving people that have you know lower win totals in the previous year some of the higher picks because you want there to be more parity in the league but the fact that Kaminga is breaking into the rotation on a team that is legitimately contending for a title at this point is really really special and the fact that he's even adding value to that squad i think deserves some recognition maybe not rookie of the year but maybe like you said that he's on an all rookie team um that's pretty fantastic but dude deserves some props and let me let me piggyback on that you have to look at random little moments. This is one of them. Kuminga is an all-world athletic talent. I mean, we, you can see that before he touches a basketball. He's a gigantic human being. His athleticism is unquestioned. He's had nothing but success basically his entire life. And so we know, you know, he's capable and he's competitive. Right now, he's looking around and he's seeing people get universal praise. Mobley is one of them. Scotty Barnes is another. This rookie class is succeeding in a way that a lot of rookie classes haven't. And I would imagine internally, that's got to piss Kuminga off. You know, he probably wants an opportunity to get out there and show the world that he's just as competent at these dudes, that his skill set is just as good as Scotty Barnes. But despite that scenario, when we see him out there, and, you know, in, instead of just having the ball and being able to show everybody what he can do, the Warriors have given him these very specific goals. But he's not getting frustrated, at least from what I can tell. He seems satiated. He seems happy to be in this environment. Well, you know what creates that, boys? Culture. You know, it's it's sustained success. It's people like Uncle Draymond and Uncle Andre and Uncle Steph. It's people like Mike Brown. It's people like Steve Kerr whispering in his ear, letting him know that Rookie of the Year is one thing, longtime dynastic champion is another and that he is signing up for this and is seemingly totally happy is a win for the Warriors organization as well. It's got to be said. Uh, what other awards you got? Uh, Maxine, where are you at on this? 
I, I, I mean, I think we listed like, are there even any other awards? You know, I, it's the fact that we have <laughs> we have somebody that's um, contending for pretty much each one of these categories is just fantastic. I mean, it, it what it speaks to is precisely this concept of strength in numbers, and you see it, you know, going back to what MT was talking about at the beginning of this conversation, you know, of what happens when the rotations get tightened as we move into the playoffs. I mean, Kerr is known for not really doing that, you know, and that's almost a fear of mine. Um, but I think the flip side of that is that's why you get this broad breadth of potential um, when we get into award season. So let's go. I'd also like it's, next yeah. time you enter into the third quarter with the team, if you could ask mm-hmm. Draymond a question um, before the season started, he said, no team has ever um, competed for a championship and played for the now while also um, nurturing and growing talent for the future. And he said it hadn't been done before. He wasn't sure it was going to work. It's working as of right now. Um, so I'd be curious to hear Draymond's take on that so far and if he felt like he was wrong or are they finally, did they crack the code in doing what was previously thought to be an impossible balancing act? Um, and, you know, he's usually pretty straightforward and and fun. And, you know, he, he's got his own show now. He was just making fun of Kevin Durant's ashy ankles, um, if you were following that, which is, is a pretty funny story. So I think he would be... Uh, you know, candid about it. So next time you, you jump in the game, Maxine, make sure to ask him that. Cause I'd love to hear his take on it. It's a great idea. Uh, it's a great idea. Make sure you do that. Yeah. That's, I mean, get out there. I mean, I would imagine if he's expecting a defensive communication and you're asking him questions for the podcast, he might take it hard, but I mean, <laughs> look, dude, you know how to interact with the team. We're not on it. I'll leave it to you. My request is whatever happens, however dark it gets, however sad he feels, do not comfort Kent Bazemore at that Thanksgiving party. All right. <laughs> like, I just, I don't care dude. do it for me. If nothing else, walk over to the kids table and just avoid that dude <laughs> at all costs. Boys, huge fun. If you want to reach out to us, let us know that we did a good job, bad job, any job that we missed some questions. You want to be a part of these five golden. The best place to reach us is at our email address, which is at Maxine huddle at warriorshuddle.com. Exactly right. With that in mind, go Warriors. Hopefully, see you next week. Happy Thanksgiving. Good, good. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. 
BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. 